Start jump sequence terminates, Captain. Get the gravitational dampers online and open the blast shield. Aye, sir. Bring us in closer. Aye, aye, sir. Moving us in on sublight drive. Extreme magnification. Aye, sir. The center of the galaxy. And there's our black hole. The experience of a lifetime, Captain. Let me put this on audio. You should be able to hear the magnetic resonance This is it, ladies and gentlemen. The edge of time and space where the impossible can happen. Welcome to the event horizon. Good morning, or afternoon, or evening, whatever is relevant for the part of the world you are in. Indeed, welcome to the Event Horizon, where the impossible happens. Join us each week at this time as we delve into the worlds of science fiction, fantasy, and science fact in all their forms. I'm your host, Gene... Oh, I'm sorry. <coughs> Ran out of air. <laughs> I am your host, Gene Turnbow. And I am your other host, Susan Fox. And with us is Rod Roddenberry. Now, you know, you, you, everybody knows someone in a family business. And a family business is not easy to live with, but it's extremely rewarding. And running a family business with a very significant uh, parental fi- figure and living in their shadow is also not easy. And when, but you know, however, however, when when you've managed to maintain that business thirty five odd years later, you become a legend. And uh, I think that uh, Mr. Rod Roddenberry is the legend of our day. Welcome to the show. Uh, thank you, guys. You you are you are singing praises that are way too high, and that's not even me trying to be humble here. Uh, there are so many other people that have kept Star Trek alive. Uh, needless to say, the fans, and I know that's something that people throw out sign of uh, haphazardly. Oh, the fans kept Star Trek. First of all, they, they really did. They, they were there uh, trying to keep, but petitioning to keep Star Trek on the air in the 60s and 70s. Oh, yeah. We're, um, we're we know the person. We, we are personal friends, went and, and did that. We were the Trimbles and uh, uh, Wanda and all them, them people who were kids at the time. That's, I mean, and, and it, that's 100% true. And, of course, every audience member nowadays, literally, who tunes into it, um, keeps it on because they're the ones that are paying uh, CBS and Paramount to, to keep their apps going. Um, but, of course, there's also an incredible team, Secret Hideout, you know, that started with J.J. Abrams in the movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, Secret Hideout is the one who has really sort of brought the new television series to light. And Alex Kurtzman deserves a... A tremendous amount, if not most of that credit. Granted, there's an entire team there of pe- very talented people. Uh, I, uh, you can think of me as a little bit more of the shepherd, not sort of shepherding them, but shepherding the Roddenberry philosophy and the ideas of Star Trek. So uh, we are certainly players in the game, but by no means can I or we take uh, credit uh, for, for, you know, certainly... Uh, all the new Star Trek, um, well, but we are contributors by all means. You didn't. Your pop didn't do it alone either. You know, the, it's, it's always Correct. a team. It's always a team. Nobody has to Correct. do this alone. Cecil B. DeMille said, "An artist needs his brush. A writer needs his pen. A filmmaker needs his army." 
Okay. I, like, I have never heard that quote, and I freaking love that. Um, <laughs> that is great. That is great. Uh, no, I am very proud of, of the, the latest shows that have come out, and there's more to come out soon, and I can't tell you too much about them, but I think everyone sort of knows. Well, I don't know what everyone knows. You know, there's Star Trek Discovery. We've got Star Trek Picard. We've got a, a Star Trek Strange New Worlds coming out. We've also got the animated series Lower Decks, which is out and just released season two. Mm-hmm. And soon to come out as Prodigy. I freaking love Lower Decks. I feel so seen. <laughs> it's There's jokes from every generation, every past show. The The season opener was kind of all about... The, the the second pilot, I love. I, yeah. I am the target audience for the first time in my life. <laughs> it, it's definitely a love letter to the fans. It is, and anyone who doesn't get yeah. that doesn't deserve to. But we're looking forward to the new seasons <laughs> well, of the things we have seen, and and the new seasons of the things we haven't seen. We have heard. Uh, well, they're definitely trying to keep lower decks in a way, and so that people who who know it get the references and people who don't still enjoy the show yeah we have heard a rumor that there's going to be a starfleet academy series is that being talked about or is that, is that real or is that just fluff uh it, so i mean I, I don't think i would get in trouble if i said there have been discussions because i'm pretty certain there have been discussions about everything uh-huh. uh to my knowledge certainly there's no and I'm not even lying to you guys it's not in the works but in the sense that it's moved past concept Uh, and I'm sure there are many things in concept so so I can say sure it's been discussed absolutely it's been discussed Uh is it going to happen uh, I couldn't tell you. Who knows? I, I really couldn't. That's kind of what I thought. I mean, uh, the yeah. fandom hears little snippets of this and that, and they go absolutely... Bat guano insane. Every, and, and they <laughs> spin all kinds of conspiracy theories about, oh, who's 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 going to be the new, uh, you know, who's going to be cast in this new thing that nobody knows if it's actually going to be made. And nobody's actually yeah. signed anything or made any announcements. And there's nothing on IMDb about it. I mean, that's our litmus sure. test, really. Uh, one yeah. of the very first things a production does is they make an IMDb page, whether they they have a chance of finishing the film or not. You know, there's an IMDb page no, the, for... The rumor, rumor mill is in full effect. I, I know that, and that's fine. Yeah. But we had to ask, so now we can say... Sure. Now we, can, know, now now we, we have can an answer. that one to bed. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so... Well, but for so, all I know, in a month, they could decide to start doing it. So who knows? And that's in a month. The answers always change. So it's your Da's yep, yep. 100th anniversary of his birth. How how amazing is that? How sad is that? I, I mean, it, doesn't it really get is easier? incredible. First things, it makes me feel really old. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but he did have me fairly late in life. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's... it's um The main idea here is... Say, hey, I want to celebrate the centennial of my father who died 20 plus years ago. And for a son, sure, I, I, I love him. I want him to be remembered. I want to honor him. But it's really his ideas. It's his philosophy. It's what he instilled into Star Trek that I, I want to continue to get the message out. And so we're sort of using his birthday as a platform. And I don't want to make it sound like we're trying to deceive anyone. It's just kind of weird if it were just a birthday for him. No. 
It's a platform to talk about his ideas and the man, who he was, his history, the, the kinds of things he did in his life. He had an incredible career before Star Trek. Mm-hmm. And to look at all those accomplishments and then say, after he did all this stuff, then he came up with this Star Trek show, which is a phenomenon, of course. Yeah, well, even without Star, Star Trek, he had quite the resume. And, uh, and, and, and I'll, listen, I'll go through it right now with you guys. He was a World War II bomber pilot uh, flying 80-some-odd missions in the South Pacific. Mm-hmm. He put, hung up his wings and he came home and to pick up another pair of wings and became a commercial airline pilot for Pan Am Airways and flew the, the longest leg from New York to Johannesburg. And while he was deadheading on one of those flights the plane lost its engines and crashed in the Syrian desert. Half the people basically lost their lives, and he helped rescue a number of them. After doing that, he really hung up his wings and decided to become a member of the LAPD, and he rose to the rank of sergeant. He was writing speeches for the chief of police. The chief at that time, there was... It was William Parker and anyone who knows their history, mm. uh, his his way of politi- politics, of policing and the community, they didn't always mesh. So my father used to love to have debates with them and helped curb his perspectives and, and give him a little bit more of a uh, softer uh, approach when it came to talking to to uh, to, to the public. And so, I, I you know. My father had an incredible career. While he did that, they were looking for stories. They were hiring cops to share their stories. So shows like Dragnet could could have unique and, and, and authentic stories. So my father did some of that. He then decided that that looked better. <laughs> he could actually write better than some of those writers he thought at the time. And so he decided to become a writer. And he became a very successful writer writing for cop shows and westerns and those sorts of things and then his star trek universe started and then he created star trek and that's it's simply the last small tenth of his life that people know him for my gosh he did so much he did he lived many lives it's interesting how the you know being in a police department informed you know his his knowledge of human nature and well and being in world war ii and not only that you know in the 40s, when you're flying around the world and you're meeting different cultures and you're having unique experiences, I mean, I think today even, that is life experience is what gives you perspective. And those of us who are fortunate enough to be able to travel the world and gain some, gain some of this perspective, perspective I, I think we have a, the ability to be more understanding and accept, accepting to the world. It's, it's I, I, you know, listen, I give it, it's like a dog. If you, if you get a dog and you put it in your backyard, and you only keep it in your backyard. You know, by the time it's three or five years old and someone goes and knocks on the gate, of course it's going to bark. If someone comes in, of course it's going to attack. It's scared. It's never seen this before. It's it's different, but if if you never get out, you never see anything. It's just life is about experience. If you have very limited experience in your life, you will be afraid of the unknown. And it's so important that people get this experience. And I'm not saying everyone has to travel internationally. I'm just making an equate. I'm just trying to equate the idea of life experience and then fear and then having more appreciation and understanding for the world. Again, uh, being a privileged person who's had the opportunity to travel quite a bit, it's, it's hard for me to say everyone should do this. Yes, everyone should do it if they can. I'm just saying as a species, we're going to evolve and grow when we have experiences. We need experiences. That, that is the uh, foundation of the whole IDIC philosophy, I-D-I-C, 
which stands for infinite diversity from infinite combinations. And it's just the true appreciation for all things are different that are different both in form and in, in thought. And so I, I just, we all need life experience because we're just going to grow and improve from it. And all the Star Trek shows have, have held up even long after your father's day. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Discovery I mean, the had our are still there and they were important in season. Unfortunately, today with, with the social injustices of the world, which have been going on since, of course, mm-hmm. uh, we still need those messages. I believe that uh, your your father's love of travel and exploring new ideas through uh, the people that he met along the way might have strongly informed his concept for Star Trek in the first place. It was all about going out and and expanding your experience and expanding your horizons by discovering things you had never seen before. You know, people com- some people complain, oh, when did Star Trek get so political? And going, did you watch it in 1966? <laughs> it was always like this. It's funny. I, I heard someone else just make a comment that they've heard that people are complaining that Star Trek is being too political. And uh, <laughs> you guys are right. I mean, it, it's it's always been... It's always the point is always to have a message, whether it's uh, love, sex, religion, politics, drugs, marriage, crime, you name it. it. It it always was looking at those things and saying, what's going on in our society today? And what's that going to look like two, three hundred years from now? Because my dad really lived in the future intellectually. Mm-hmm. The, the idea was if you go back a hundred years from today. And you think about the things that might have been uh, offensive and absurd and, 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 and cringeworthy and, and, and would have you know, made ladies faint because they happened. Whether it was fashion, again, love, sex, marriage, politics. Today, a lot of those things are commonplace. They are acceptable. Not by everyone, but they are acceptable. Now, let's jump ahead 100 years in the future. What today is cringeworthy to us? What today seems offensive or inappropriate? Or, you know, and again, I'm, I'm talking about fashion i'm talking about politics i'm talking about religion how is that going to evolve my father lived in that future because he knew those things come there'd be no racism you know there'd be advancements we're all moving forward in every direction and being progressive you can't stop progress you can try to slow it down but you can't stop it he was already ahead of it and so that's how he made star trek but that's also how he thought as a person every day he saw a social situation and he said you know what we're acting like children. I can tell you, 100 years from now, we're not going to have racism. We're not going to you know, be doing these stupid, immature things. Right, and that's what I love about it. You know, black and white is not a big deal when you're friends with green and blue. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. He was also a visionary. Uh, Star Trek is the genesis of uh, an incredible pile of modern technology. <laughs> you said genesis. <laughs> oh, for- <laughs> sorry, sorry. You, okay, you got it. me. <laughs> is this going to be? It should be a drinking game. Anytime someone says anything about uh, it's got a Star Trek reference, I got to take a drink. I'm d- drinking tea I, right now. So as I would say, I would fun, be but- you know alcohol poisoning. You know. At the 45-minute mark. I promise you that. <laughs> no, but um, meanwhile, back at all the things in, in our wallets and in our homes that, that came from Star Trek. Well, my tablet, my communicator. I mean, my uh, cell phone, iPhone. <laughs> I, I actually have the flip-top, you know, Bluetooth communicator. So, <laughs> yeah. 
love that when that came out. I remember that came out like five or six or eight years. I don't know how long it's been, but someone finally yeah, did five, one of those yeah, and made it Bluetooth worthy, and that that was pretty fun. Yeah. Um, go, going back to what you're saying, though, I, you know, I, I'm not trying to take credit away from my father. You know, no matter what, he's he's a, a visionary and in his own right and a very uh, uh, brilliant human being. But what my father did, and, and of course, this is what made him brilliant when he was developing Star Trek. He would correspond with JPL and Caltech. And he would say, you know, what mm-hmm. is a, a – I, I, it's always a terrible example that I give. And I don't know if this was in Stephen Whitfield's book or not. But there's, there's a documentation showing a correspondence between my father and either Caltech or JPL saying something along the lines of, you know, we need a non-lethal weapon. They're not going to use a six-shooter. What do they have? And so uh, JPL or whoever would respond and say, well, we've got the laser right now, but we are working on the phasing laser. And there you go. They've got, you know, the, the phasing leaders. So, so it was all extrapolated from modern day science. Um, it was important that my father, it was important to him that this stuff was believable. He didn't want to make fantasy and he didn't want to do anything that he knew the audience would see right through. Everything had a scientific basis. Yes. You know, it's, you know, nobody waves a magic wand and makes things happen. Or at least if, if they do, it's explained later on, oh, no, really, that was this. There are a few things, and, uh, and, and those, you know, I'm very protective of Star Trek. And just because I have the last name Roddenberry doesn't mean I'm the authority on Star Trek. And anything I say goes, goes. Um, that is not the case, clearly. Uh, but uh, I, I have issues with things like uh, the Vulcan mind meld. Now, I'm able to explain them away and just accept them by saying, well, I believe that in the future there are, there are energies that we simply haven't discovered because we are an infantile race. We certainly haven't discovered all science out there. So perhaps the Vulcans have been able to tap into some sort of psychic energy that is scientifically explainable. We just don't have the tools yet and connect with our minds. And, uh, and, and that's all I try to do. Because I think if I try any harder, I might poke too many holes in it and be more disappointed. Well, like, we've, uh, but we've, otherwise, yeah, we've waved hands enough for faster than life travel in the tra- in the transporters. This is this wasn't too bad. I mean, it's like midichlorians yeah. in Star Wars. Did we really need that explanation? No, I don't no, know. Right. I don't think so. I, I think in Star Wars, though, the the midichlorian side of things, um, the Force was already in my mind, and when I watched Star Wars. It already touches into the fantasy. Oh, and it is a science fantasy. While there is believability, it is a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. I don't look at Star Wars and say, I wonder if this ever really happened anywhere. It is, it is, it is completely make-believe in my mind. Um, and I'm not saying it's all rubbish. I'm just saying uh, the Force. The mm-hmm. Force is a cool idea. I love it. But can you use it to to control things and shoot lightning bolts from your hands. I'm, I'm going to go with no, but I'm going to go with <laughs> I still love Star Wars and enjoy it for what it is. Well, at least Star Trek has a creature that starts shooting lasers or energy from its hands, which I'm sure it actually has, probably an alien of some sort, but certainly not a human. It's not like a force you can develop. Then I'm going to be very disappointed in Star Trek. Yeah, it's, that's – yeah, that'd be kind of jumping the shark. Well, at least now, uh, at least if it's a gal- long time ago in a galaxy far away, no one can say it won't get outdated. <laughs> you know, oh well, it's it's you know the year twenty ten. We can't tell twenty ten stories anymore. Yeah, well, and and listen now now you're gonna everyone fan every fan's gonna write me a letter or you a letter saying what about Q? Q was essentially a god. 
And he is another one of mine that I struggle with. Um, but the, the only thing I can say is he is just such an advanced alien species mm-hmm. that their technology is, is, is just so far ahead of us that it looks like magic. Um, Sir, I can't remember, Arthur was it Ray C- Bradbury or Isaac Asimov? They, they uh, Sir Arthur C. Clarke's third oh, law from the 1950s, I think, was any sufficiently advanced psychology is indistinguishable from magic. And that's where I put Q in the category. There you go. Yeah, that's 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 the one. And I'm just going to use that and I'm going to mic drop and I'm going to walk away. Yeah. You don't mic drop when you have to pay uh, for the mic. I tell you that. I might, ru- I might run away because yeah. I don't think I can defend any more arguments after that. Nah, don't have to. Have you noticed that uh, Star Trek has been working harder and harder to stay ahead of modern technological developments? They had to kick it all the way to the 30th century to <laughs> I, get past I, I I think... I think there was a little danger at the beginning because I'm not sure how much. So there, there, there was science consulted in the sense that there's theoretical things uh, out there. Um, they've, they've, I've since brought on uh, science advisors and, uh, in my opinion, are doing a much better job at, at uh, keeping things believable. Good. Um, you, you can't say... Well, in theory, there's this uh, thing that happens down here on Earth, so we're just going to assume it happens throughout the universe. Um, I just, I, I, I prefer a little bit more explanation, a little bit more anchoring into reality. Yeah, it's. Uh, it just seems that uh, you know, after a certain point, uh, you get into um, uh, screenless in-air holograms as your interfaces and uh, you know it sort of crosses that Arthur C. Clarke line you know it starts looking like magic and it's mm-hmm. you, you, you start getting a sort of a, of, of a logical disconnect or detachment at that point and then it starts yeah. it starts getting a little wiggly and harder to harder to keep corralled I don't know. I I, I, I thought they were doing all right in, you know, the most recent discovery. I mean, we we knew what was going on. Okay, you know, it's very modular. We can deal Mm -hmm. with that. And and there are... They absolutely have. You're right. There is technology now. Um, We can create in-air screenless 3D holograms uh, using lasers. Uh, and, And it works by ionizing the air. Uh, by uh, uh, cross-referencing the beams to create little bright nodes in three-dimensional space. And it sounds like like a Tesla coil when it runs, and it's very small, and and it's very crude. But it's possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't want to smell that air after you've been running it for a while either. Ozone. It's going to be ozone. It's not going to be very helpful. No, probably not. They'll right. they'll work it out. They'll work probably it out. nothing you want to stick they'll your fingers in either. And and you know um, the you know the thirtieth century ships that that rearrange themselves they're just made of Legos. <laughs> just Lego bricks that rearrange. That's good. That's it. That's perfect. Mm-hmm. That's you can perfect. make it. You, know, you can it. make any any form out of it that you need to. <laughs> that, that's a metaphor I've been using a while. There you are. So, how much, uh, how often do you get a chance to contribute creatively to the shows? I mean, so 
we're told the concepts of the series early on and we get to sort of weigh in a little bit if we have any concerns. They've got a full production and creative team and writing staff that are really developing these shows. And, you know, we do hear about things early on and we do get to share. We're, we're not we're, – we don't have final say or anything like that. But we've got a great relationship with them where we send in notes and, um, and, and share ideas. And, and uh, it's, been a, it's been a very nice back and forth. So, is there uh, anything uh, we can it, watch on on you know the things we've seen so far on Picard or Discovery? So, ooh, that's Rod's part. <laughs> no, I, I don't. I, I don't think specifically you oh. can. There's no. Um, that, they, it, it is literally all a collaboration. Um, okay. every, there's sometimes there are earlier on there were certain scenes that got missed. I, I think when. Uh, uh, when anytime the captain leaves a bridge, they put someone else in command. And mm-hmm. I think uh, uh, Trevor Roth, my business partner, might have m- mentioned that once. And they said, oh, OK, yeah, yeah, good point. Yeah. And so they put that in there. I mean, it, it, it's anything from that to uh, uh, perhaps the the aliens shouldn't be so uh, uh, angry and, and want to attack the humans. I mean, it's it, it's across the board. But it's never really about the aliens, isn't it? <laughs> is it? It's it's all a mirror to our modern life and our modern world, and people just don't you go around being angry correct. all the time. <laughs> Be very tired. You were a hundred percent correct. Yep. So to shift gears for a moment, tell sure. us about Jules Erbach and how the big digital archiving thing with Otoy came about. Well, I have known Jules since seventh grade. Yeah. Um, we we have been uh, the closest of friends since then. I certainly consider him my best friend now. He's a incredibly talented and and wonderful human being uh, who has just been, I mean, incredibly talented about creating uh, technology. Uh, he he often would run into situations where you you can't do that with a computer yet. So he would write the code to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he often runs into those things. Uh, it, it, I could compare him to the series Silicon Valley, which you saw, which I really do think they they took inspiration from him because what he has always been uh, I, I'm superior at is compression and 3D compression. Mm. And uh, he, he was writing, I guess, I, I don't even know how to say it because I'm not I'm not a, a coder. But he was writing compression files, algorithms, whatever, that were better than what ILM was using. And um, he, you know, started his company, Otoy, I don't know how many years ago, 10 plus years ago, maybe 15. And he has been doing that since. And he's just constantly updating data. You know how quickly technology changes. Mm-hmm. changes. He, he's constantly got to be writing new code. And so, I mean, he's got a team of people, of course, there. But he's also got a team of people around the world. He's the kind of guy that actually can tell you uh, that he meets people online through their work that live in uh, New Zealand or, or wherever they live around the world. And he contacts them or they contact him and he looks at their code and he says, this guy's great. And they, he hires them. So his, his team of people's all around the world and he's really uh, gotten a group of some of the best in the world. And um, now with blockchain, which again, I can say the word blockchain and I, people have explained it to me over and over, and I have a little idea, an inkling. Um, but he's he's now starting to work with Beeple and some of these other uh, Alex Ross and talented artists like that to mm. preserve their their content into the blockchain to give it unique identity 
So it, it will be there hopefully in perpetuity. And me being a fan of him and him being a fan of mine, um, he knew I had been digitizing, scanning all of the uh, files that my father's had for many, many years now, whether they're scripts, memos, call sheets, uh, anything that my father had, uh, e- even artwork that was developed for the show that someone else did. I've been scanning it digitally for, for years now, and we're now going to be transferring that into the blockchain using his system. And so uh, it should. the idea is for people to have access to this in the future, for people who want to learn about Star Trek, who want to learn about filmmaking, who want to learn just the history of things can go into this and access it. But it is going to be many years before anything like this is available. The concept of making a one-to-one life-size hologram of the Enterprise. I mean, that's, that's, hinted, at, that's hinted at in the press materials. And we've, we've just published, actually, an article on sci-fi.radio uh, today about it. Uh, the idea of that just boggles the mind. I can't imagine how, you, how you're even going to have a display well, you don't. You see it on your computer, and you walk around in it, I guess. Yeah. Well, no, that's not what's discussed. They're talking about a, a, a fully immersive 3D uh, display that you that you visit. And oh my God, every fan fan film, <laughs> you know, aficionado is going to want that for their sets. You know it. Well, to to put a little context into this. Once again, uh, and I forgot the names of the individuals, so everyone out there, please forgive me. Uh, Jules came across a gentleman who had been who had created an incredible uh, uh, high resolution, I, I guess life size version of the motion picture enterprise. And while not everything in the ship is complete, a lot of the interiors are. And so uh, uh, we felt that was important after discussing with him to include it in this archive awesome. and and these aren't things that we're, we're selling or trying to do anything with yet right now this is all concept this is all discussion we're all uh-huh. in the discussion phases of this i mean we have the physical documents they are scanned they are putting those in but the 3d models and stuff like that there's still tons of work to be done and there's so many other models out there and and in terms of being able to interact and, and make it available and interact with it and and maybe even going in perhaps it's with vr perhaps it's with the screen uh, that that is also many other years down the road. The exciting part is, is that it's being archived for posterity. It's going to be locked into the blockchain. So in theory, it, it can't be destroyed or lost. My my entire company could burn down, um, and in fact, all of our hard drives could get destroyed, and it would be it would be out there. And that's 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 what I feel good about. Well, there's a form of immortality. <laughs> Absolutely, you couldn't th- couldn't Absolutely. couldn't have done five years ago, you know. Well, I'm going to go Absolutely. walk around and, and in the end. By the way, this is this is the beginning of this. Everything and everyone will be able to do this. Uh, some of the material people won't be so excited about, but other it's crucial. I mean, the Declaration of Independence, I have no doubt, is fireproof and and all this stuff and all that. But it'll also be good to lock it into a system like this. I would hate to think that anything so destructive would happen to these areas where uh, the material would might be. And of course, if any sort of annihilation happens from other planets, we've got mm-hmm. other worries. But, <laughs> yes, uh, that's true. It, it's just important documents, important information, important items. I, 
It's just a great way to keep it for history. Well, and, and someday, and you know, it'll be years down the road. Yeah. We're talking about 300 years down the road is the kind of history we're talking about. Maybe a thousand. So if I can't find my birth certificate, ah, where did I put that? You can just look it up on the blockchain. <laughs> yeah. You laugh. I, I'm, I'm in the middle of that right now. I'm going to have to get another copy. <laughs> well, and it can be protect, pr- uh, protected. You know, I mean, that's yeah. the thing. And it can't be copied. So I don't know how that works, but it's been explained to me that it, you can protect it in certain ways that it can't be forged, I should I think say. think all of the backups of the backups, and you, you, can't get, you can't change them all, you know? You can't steal them all, and you can't yeah. turn off the, their, all their computers for all of them. So I think it'll be all right. Right. I think it'll be all right. But if anyone does have questions about this, they shouldn't send it to you guys or me, because I don't know enough of the technical aspects of it. Uh, and uh, I, I don't know if Otoy, but I mean, check out Otoy. Hopefully, they have a. I assume they have an info email. Um, that would be the place to ask questions. Mm-hmm. We should have him on. You know, <laughs> just ask him nicely. If there's uh, how about Black Team for Dummies? There's our website mm-hmm. roddenberry.x.io to view an introductory video about the project, and there, there are additional details about the archive on the otoy.com website, including blogs and behind-the-scenes production photos and a lot more stuff. This sounds Perfect. like a fantastic, fantastic project. And uh, I know what I'm doing the rest of the night. It is as geeky <laughs> as you can get, and I mean that in the most loving way. <laughs> I, I genuinely do. I mean, move over Star Trek Encyclopedia. I mean, this... I know. Yes. For all that I doted on the world of Star Trek and the, you know, you know, Mr. Whitfield's book back in the day. <laughs> I used the blueprints yeah. from, from Whitfield's book to make my own tricorder out of old phonograph record jackets and balsa wood. And it, that is awesome. And it had electronics in it. Oh, oh. Our tri- I, I was 17. I was right around the time you were born. I was building that right around the time you were born. He he was born. We were dating. We were going to neighboring <laughs> high schools and we met at Star Burbank in a, in a Star Trek fan club. <laughs> we grew up. We married other people. We unmarried other people and then found each other again through the Internet. And here we are. That is that is beautiful. That is awesome. Our fifth anniversary is coming up. I'm very excited. The best is yet Congratulations, to come. guys. Thank you. But it is a Trekkie love story, and we still love it. And we still loved all the other things that didn't even exist at the time, like, oh, the next generation, but also Star Wars, um, Miyazaki films, uh, <laughs> all kinds of things. All that stuff that, that, that we experienced separately, and we got back together, and we found out we both still loved all the same things. Right, right. That's so cool. Um. So I can talk to you guys a little bit more about the 100 because that's a, that's that is another area that uh, I'm very excited about. The big 100. Oh, absolutely. Wow. Yeah. Um, of course, it being my father's centennial on August 19th, uh, we we knew about this for years to come. And sadly, you know, uh, not to make any excuses, but uh, we, we have the universal COVID to uh, thank for a lot of uh, the changes in our plans. So we did, of course, focus on. Uh, online and social media uh, promotions of things, and and we I think we had a pretty decent campaign. Um, the the umbrella uh, policy, uh, the umbrella policy. Jesus, talk to my insurance advisors too much. Uh, <laughs> the umbrella concept for this is uh, uh, think trek, um, but under that we have make trek, be trek, see trek. Oh, there's another trek in there. Anyhow, w- 
what what we've wanted to do is keep the Star Trek message in everyone's mind. And we did that online in these social media platforms by under Make Trek. We uh, found an incredible uh, uh, building block artist. He was in Lego Masters season one. His mm. name's uh, S- Samuel Hatmaker. Uh, he did five incredible uh, Star Trek Lego pieces. Um, he, he does these mosaics, but we've got him to do them three-dimensionally, so things are popping mm. out of them. You know, I've got, got one with Spock, and he's got the Vulcan hand salute out. I saw that. Um, I love he's that. got an incredible one uh, that's the, it says, boldly go, and it's a picture of my father. But what you can't see without seeing it in person is he has got the Delta shields that make up the black portion of them. And there's 100 Delta Shields in there to represent his 100th birthday. Wow. Around it, he's got wow. elements. We're calling them Easter eggs, but he's got different elements, whether it's, it's a Borg cube or a George and Gracie or whatever. He's got 55 of those to represent the 55 years of Star Trek. And throughout this entire piece, which is, I think, about five feet by four feet, it's, it's enormous. Um, he, he's just got so many beautiful nods and winks and and. Uh, uh, love notes to both my family and the fans. And so he did an incredible job. Where, is, so, uh, where can we see it and where is the real one? Well, um, I'm, if you go to roddenberry.com slash thinktrek, and I'm confirming that right now, if you just do thinktrek, it should come up. Uh, all of them should come up. Um, but I want to give you guys a better website, which I'm trying – yep. Ronbray.com slash think trek under there you see where trek talk trek uh, uh talk trek is the quoting gene Roddenberry podcast i want to talk about make trek which is what i just discussed that is the lego those are the lego pieces uh c trek and c trek is a lot of fun c trek what we've done we've just asked anyone out there in everyday life we see something around us sometimes it's perhaps the the de- delta symbol and a stain on the floor or the Enterprise in a shape of a cloud, or even a sign on the street that uh, I just saw one that said, there's a street called Warp Drive. And I was like, oh, that's great. So someone posted that. If you go in right now and you type in uh, uh, hashtag Mm C-Trek, you'll see thousands of fun, brilliant, and some insightful uh, images. And it's a funny coincidence. I wrote a game in 1980 called C-Trek. <laughs> C, the letter C. C. The letter C. It was for the Radio Shack color computer, and it was the first version of color uh, of computer Star Trek for the Radio Shack color computer in 1980. Well, that's phenomenal. That's absolutely phenomenal. That's great. Um, the, the other thing, Talk Trek, which is what we were really excited about. Oh, we are yes, uh, starting podcast. almost 100 days ago now, 100 days before my father's birthday. Um, we started releasing quotes from my father. We actually, we found uh, over 150 of them, of course, from my father's speeches and interviews and, and things of that sort. And uh, we started having celebrities come on board and start reading those one a day for 100 days. We also simultaneously started a podcast where we had two amazing hosts. Uh, first, the, the quote is read, and then they start discussing the quote and they bring in a guest uh, speaker sometimes a celebrity or someone prominent in the uh, sci-fi or entertainment world. And they get three very unique deep dives into what this quote meant back then, perhaps what it means now, its relevance. And they're, they're short, bite-sized episodes. They're usually anywhere between uh, 12 and 20 minutes. So um, I, I, I've been listening to them, of course, nonstop, and uh, I've learned a tremendous amount. 
that sounds like a lot of fun. I yes. wonder if we could get that syndicated on sci-fi radio. We would love that, of course. Marvelous. More people that hear this, the better. <laughs> Absolutely. Excellent. The more trick, the better. Always. What else have you got? What else are you doing? What's next? <laughs> well, uh, listen, I hit everything pretty quick uh, uh, on a nutshell. I mean, the, the, I'm excited for Strange New Worlds to come out. That's going to be starring Anson Mount and Captain Pike and his adventures. It's going to take a little bit more of a... Awesome. Yeah, I think it's going to be awesome, too. Um, it's going to take a little bit more of a traditional approach on Star Trek series. It's It's going to be... Uh, framed episodically, but of course you're still going to have a story arc through the entire thing. Um, and uh, the way uh, Anson Mount was written as captain, I fell in love with him right away. I said, you know what, I, I will be on your ship. Um, because he, he first time he introduced himself to the Discovery crew, he did it without ego. He did it without any sort of uh, harshness or, or I'm the leader, you must listen to me. Um, he gained their respect. And that's how I think a true leader leads. You don't lead by saying, follow me, I know better. You, you, you show them that you are a team player and that, that we're all working in this together. And he is going to make decisions based on the valuable input from their expertise. And I, I just think that's, that's beautiful. I, I agree. So what do you know about uh, Star Trek Prodigy? That looks like fun. They just they just said that um, uh, Robert Beltran's going to be on as, as Chakotay somewhere in there. Yeah, yeah there, there's there's a lot of fun things happening on that one. I'm very excited to see where that goes. Um, I believe there is a trailer on uh, Paramount mm -hmm. Plus and on YouTube. Um, but that I'm really happy now, and some people may not like this, and, and I'll admit it even took me a, a while to warm up to it. There are so many different kinds of Star Trek right now. I mean, think about it. We're going to have two animated series, both incredibly different <laughs> and arguably for different audiences, although I think there's plenty of overlap there. Um, but the shows are totally different, and it's really exciting to have those out there. Uh, and, and they still have a Star Trek message. Listen, Star Trek Lower Decks, it's goofy and dumb and funny at times. But, you know, every now and then they're able to sort of slip in sort of a Star Trek idea. And I really sort of I really appreciate that about that show. And, and Prodigy is going to be no different. Well, it's got a lot of heart. I mean, it's goofy and they and people do impulsive things. But but at the heart of it, you know, it's people care about each other. That's 100 percent it. That's a hundred percent. Ensign Mariner, you know, loves her friends and loves her mother, even though they drive her nuts. <laughs> yep. Sometimes literally. I think something that makes sense to all of us. Yeah. So where are you going to be next? What's uh, What have you got on your travel itinerary in terms of uh, Star Trek? I, I am traveling a bit more than I think I probably should, considering the Delta variant and all that sort of thing. Um, I'm, I'm doing it because I'm trying to, of course, promote my father's birthday. And I'm doing it. Listen, it's, it's definitely relative to say these sorts of things. I'm doing it as safely as I can. Of course, I'm fully vaccinated. I wear masks. I try not to get too close to people. Although I did, the convention was one that I actually had some uh, uh, uncertainties about. You know, uh, people were let in if they were vaccinated or had been tested. Um, so of course, everyone wants pictures and of course, people to take off your mask. So I, I, I do it for them and I take it off and I hold my breath, but then I'm like, oh no, have I just, you know, inadvertently or I guess uh, unknowingly, 
um, you know, uh, been this this p- poor example to what I should be doing right now. So <laughs> everybody been, who I've went there, you learning. know, seemed to have been had a lot of fun and and a lot of, and they were all very careful. My friends had who are putting up their pictures with the plexiglass between the guest and themselves, but yes. it's okay. <laughs> um, they they had a they had a testing unit there in the middle of it because yeah yep. you have to be tested within seventy two hours the convention was more than seventy two hours long so right. had to hit them again and uh, exactly. nobody no positives as far as as anybody knows yet for the listeners I think this was the fifty five year mission convention in Las Vegas over the last week STLV LV also mm-hmm. is fifty five in Roman numerals but of course Las Vegas and it apparently was just just the awesome. Yeah, no, it, it was a great event. And in terms of my travels, we, we've had to cut a lot of things out due that's, to COVID. That, that and it's a little unfortunate. But Yeah, that's a shame because... You know, where is Dr. McCoy now? <laughs> He'd have had yeah, this no sorted out. <laughs> We'd all just take a pill. And grow um, a new grow kidney. Grow a new kidney. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I think after August uh, 19th, I'm going to lay low for a little bit. I think you'll deserve it. <laughs> well, let me rephrase that. After August 19th, I'm going to lay low a little bit until September 8th, when it's Star Trek Day again. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. There's another event that they're going to do at the Skirball Center in uh, in Los Angeles. Oh, yes. And they've are. got a Star Trek exhibit there. We are so there. We're, we we're planning go on that. taking yeah. an expedition. Now, I'm going to send... I'm going to... S- <laughs> Send reporters and a photography team and the whole thing. You send me. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But other than that, we'll, but then we'll, you get to we'll breathe. see what happens. Breathe, rest, recuperate, regenerate. No, wait a minute. That's a different show. <laughs> well, well, that sounds about right. Yep. Well, thank you so much for joining us on this episode. 224th episode of the Event Horizon wow. here on Sci-Fi.Radio. It has been a great pleasure uh, to have you with us. We have been speaking with Rod Roddenberry, the son of Eugene Roddenberry, whose 100th birthday uh, is coming up. At What's the date? August 19th. August 19th. August 19th. I knew it. <laughs> 1921 to 2021. An yes, amazing... I'm really, yeah, proud and, you know, sad he's not with us. I still have a lot of questions to ask. A lot of questions to ask. Does it get easier? Oh, it certainly does. Okay. No, it certainly does. I, I don't mean to end it on such a sad note. I, 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 of course, I've missed my father, but he's been gone a while, and uh, I've had an incredible experience to learn so much about him from so many other people. Uh, am I happy he's gone? Of course I'm not. And are there questions I'd love to ask? Oh, sure I would. Um uh, but but uh, this this is sort of all part of it, and uh, I get to I get to learn more about my father from everyone I meet. And you are in a rare position to do that. Not everybody's father has made such a magnificent contribution to the furtherment of humankind. That's one hundred percent it. You're right. Yep. So Gen- you, you ba- have, very privileged. You have a tremendous record uh, from which to draw. Well, thank you for um, sharing some of it with us today. More than happy to. You have been listening to episode 224 of Sci-Fi.Radio's weekly production of The Event Horizon for Saturday, August 21st, 2021. Our guest this evening has been Rod Roddenberry, son of Gene Roddenberry, the creator of Star Trek. 
This episode will air again on August 22nd, 2021, at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern tomorrow afternoon, and two more times on the following Thursday and Saturday mornings at 4 a.m. Pacific, 7 a.m. Eastern. Once all of the airtimes have passed, you will find this episode and others on iTunes, Stitcher, and on our own website at sci-fi.radio as podcasts. Sci-fi.radio is listener-supported sci-fi geek culture radio, and the vast majority of our funding comes from listeners just like you. We are asking you to visit patreon.com slash sci-fi radio and pledge $5 a month to help keep the station on the air. Give the gift of geek music to your friends by helping support the world's only full-time sci-fi fandom radio station. That's patreon.com slash sci-fi radio. The Event Horizon title sequence was written and produced by Gene Turnbow. The science officer was played by sci-fi illustrator Mark Schurmeister. The engineer was Christian B. McGuire. The navigator was Christine Cherry. And the captain was voiced by science fiction grandmaster Larry Niven. This program is copyright 2021 by Krypton Media Group Incorporated. The Event Horizon on Sci-Fi.radio. It's sci-fi for your Wi-Fi.